You are listening to Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast, where we talk about your theological questions. BGN podcast is produced every Saturday for your enjoyment. Get more information on our website, grace-nation.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Grace Nation Min and on Facebook. Now, here is your host, President of Grace Nation Ministries, Victor. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. I am your host, Victor, and I'm so happy to welcome back our co-host, Billy. Man, how you doing today? How's it going? Hey, Victor, I'm doing fantastic. I am really excited, uh, really tired, but really excited. Oh, and why are you so tired? <laughs> Oh, you know why. <laughs> we're, we're in the same hermeneutics class, and I was up last night till about 5 a.m. doing a Greek project on the word splotchnon. That that yes. project was was quite the uh, weight to bear. Absolutely. It was quite large. Absolutely. It definitely edified me, definitely sharpened it me. It did. It was interesting. It tore me apart. Yeah. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it was a great project. It, I completely understand your struggle. Yeah. yeah, so I'm very tired right now, but super, super excited. This is literally one of my favorite parts of the entire week, getting to talk with you about Jesus. And oh, for it's, it's the edification great. of our listeners, the advancement of the gospel, this is just awesome. And like, even if our podcast is nothing, like even if it was horrible and did nothing on iTunes, just being able to sit here and talk Jesus is a great experience and stirs my affections absolutely so yeah so just a few few quick announcements before we get started uh here on grace nation ministries uh back on the website we have a new post by jensen it's a great post just about a retreat uh that happens this past weekend for a church in tallahassee so if you guys haven't had the opportunity to go check that out please do it's a great read and I am also going to be posting an article here within the next few days about Christian hip-hop and the movement uh, that is that is going through right now and why I think it is more theologically correct than worship music. So, <laughs> Like more, more than the mainstream, like contemporary songs right, you play in church. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, no, not hip-hop artists, they, have some, they have some really good theology. Dude, I'm telling you. In their, uh, in their, in their raps, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and, and for someone who can't worship to hymns, just because I struggle in that area, <laughs> getting the next best thing in theology. Yeah, because they, hymns they play are, hymns at my church. Hymns yeah. are so rich in theology. Like, yeah, they to are. be honest, they are. But but to get the be- next best thing, which yeah. is Christian hip hop. We actually sang a hymn today in a we systematic did. theology yeah, class. It was, it was interesting. But instead of a instead of a organ as the background music, we had a guitar. Right. So that yeah, made it a lot more modern. active. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so be expecting that article to come out soon. If you guys haven't uh, followed uh, the podcast on the on the different social media streams, please do that. Uh, get connected with us on Twitter as we have a ton of giveaways going on on Twitter. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Get connected with us on Facebook. Get connected with us on Instagram. There's so many other outlets that you can uh, follow us on. And then we're also doing a Reaching the Nations fundraiser. And so yeah. I wanted to take a second and just talk a little bit about that because this is something huge. Uh, the Reaching the Nations fundraiser is not only going to help support our ministry and what we're doing here at Grace Nation, but it's also going to uh, help thousands of kids in India mm. be able to attend a two-week Bible school. That's and so awesome. and I, wanted yeah. to, I want to extend that opportunity out to not only our listening audience, but also the audience uh, of people who follow us on mm. the website. Yeah. And so, guys, it, it's such a great cause. You're not <coughs> only helping our ministry and the ministry that God is using us for here through the podcast. You're also going to be advancing the gospel in India mm. where, it's, where, where truly the yeah. gospel is is 
it's it's in an interesting state right now in yeah, India. Twelve percent of people are believers. Yeah, it's it's going one of it's going through one of the biggest revivals, but right now it's under some of the greatest oppression Absolutely. that it's been in. So Absolutely. we are seriously promoting this fundraiser and we know God will do amazing things in and through it. Uh, the fundraiser will be running through the end of December until mm-hmm. the new year. Our goal is to raise $1,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big goal for two months. We understand that, but God's a big God and he meets big goals. Absolutely. And so we want to encourage you guys to, to get plugged in in that way. Yeah. And also everyone who donates will be entered into the, we'll be giving away five John MacArthur study Bibles. Uh, so, so pretty yeah. big giveaway. So we're <laughs> going awesome. to give five John MacArthur study Bibles <coughs> away at the end of the year if we hit our goal. Mm. And so that's just a little bit, that's just a thank you uh, for, do, for donating in that capacity. So with those things being said, and, and with us on the topic of India and missions and yeah. advancing the gospel in other places and advancing the gospel in our own nation, which is also in desperate need of Jesus. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. We are going to be discussing missions. Yeah. And, and like, missions is one of the things in my heart. It's just, it should have a special spot in all of our hearts, but missions has really impacted me, especially having the opportunity Mm -hmm. to go on missions outside of the country. Yeah. And so we're really going to be discussing missions today. And so, Billy, if you don't mind, just talking us through kind of some of the things we're going to be talking about and and then we're going to get into describing like what is missions like yeah, what does yeah. that word constitute yeah so like uh, on this podcast we're going to be discussing specifically what is the nature of missions and are christians called to it mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of times we put that word missions as like a label um and what we're really what we're really describing when we use that word is international missions you know like global missions right. um we don't consider domestic um local missions uh we're, we're, when we use that word in the context we're usually when we, when we say a believer's called to missions we usually have in mind something across the season that kind of thing um so right. we're, we're not it's not that we are it's not that we're trying to counter that um we're just trying to take a biblical approach to what it means to be missional um what is the definition of the Great Commission uh, that Christ gave to his right. to his disciples, and how are we going to live that in our daily lives, whether we're called overseas or here? Um, right, and I, I think America, and I think the reason we have this misconception of what missions is is because of the culture mm-hmm. America has created, absolutely, especially in the church. Right, a lot of a lot of the times, us in the church think like America is the greatest nation on earth, right? Mm. And we are the most churched nation. Like we are a Christian nation founded on Christian principles. And for those reasons, we don't need to evangelize in our own nation. Mm. And so when we say missions, I think the first thing that comes to our mind is international missions. Yeah. Because we're completely getting rid of the fact yeah. because we don't think we need missions here in America. Yeah. And, and the sad thing is, is Right now in America, the statistic stands that 46% of Americans don't know who Jesus is. We mm. are one of the highest unreached people groups in the world, and we have access to the gospel yeah. so freely. And so when we think of missions, our brain usually goes straight to international missions. But yeah. but, but when we're saying it in the way we believe the Bible uh, explains missions is that it's not just international missions, but it is just living a life that is missionally focused, yeah. able and ready, 
ready to spread the gospel of Jesus yeah. Christ to whoever you come in contact with. Yeah, and, I, and I'm, I myself am a living example of that statistic. I mean, I didn't know who Jesus was until I was 15 years old. Um, I wasn't told about the God of the Bible. Um, I didn't have any prior knowledge to who this God was. Um, didn't know about the Bible. Never read one. Didn't have one in my house mm-hmm. or anything like that until I was about 15 years old and I got my first one. Um, so that statistic is very real. Uh, it's very it's very frightening mm. that we have so much access, especially where we're at. You know, right. we see churches around the corners. Uh, I mean, like uh, I, I lived in South Carolina, you know, the Bible Belt, right. and we see churches at every corner. And I can't tell you how many times I did ministry in, in high school or worked at my church and talked to kids who didn't know wow. who Jesus was, who didn't yeah. have a biblical perspective. They'd never heard because they were never told. Right. And even even there's and the scarier, the, the worst part of that is that it's like, for instance, the other day I was talking to. Uh, uh, a friend of mine, uh, he's Catholic, and I shared the gospel with him, and he said he'd never heard that before. Wow. And he was um, 18 years old. Wow. Yeah, and he's been going to church ever since he was uh, four years old, and he had never heard the gospel before. He said to me, I've never heard it like that, and I never thought of it that way. He was just shocked by the realization that I read the Bible for right. myself. Uh, he wasn't taught that. And I'm not downing you know, Catholicism or anything like that. I'm just saying that this is a trend we see in America today. Right. Um, among the churched communities. Right. Uh, there, there's such spiritual apathy because we think that we have it all together. We think that God has blessed us because of our religiosity and our legalism. Right. Um, and really the danger is, is that we see all these people who are going to these churches and claiming to, you know, be Christians, right. but really they're not Christians. They're just moral people with a tag that says, I believe in Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is not a person to them, he is a principle, an application to the morality. Um, and I think that, that, and that's that's essentially what religion is today in America. That is what legalism is. That's Pharisaic. Um, and so what we're what we're aiming at here is we don't we want to go beyond the stereotypes about what missions is, and we want to get down to the heart of what is missions uh, and how are we to go about pursuing missions and living missionally where we are at and wherever the Lord wherever the Lord wants to send us. And right. I, I myself, like you, you know, I have a special place in my heart for missions because of the missionary work that I've done. Right. And I know, um, I know the desperate need for the gospel in certain places. Um, but I don't let that cloud my mind or keep me from, uh, coming to the reality that the gospel is needed here where I'm at. Right. Yeah. And I think everything you said was so true. And I, it's really interesting because I think like sometimes the like I feel like the Christian community has some of the most unchurched people. Absolutely, and like that is scary. Absolutely, because a Christian community should not be just the most churched people. Like they should, like the church should be everywhere they go. Like we are the body, living, active, breathing yeah. God, using us, arms and legs to to, yeah. ex- to spread the gospel. And when we're not functioning as the arms and legs we're not functioning as a as a christian it's a dead church at all right? it's a, dead, it's a church dead church full of dead people and the statistic for churches dying in america is crazy i can't remember it i do remember being told it uh, recently it is insane compared to the amount of churches that are being successfully planted yeah the amount of churches that are unfortunately dying away yeah it's sad and like you said you were raised in south carolina and you saw a church around every corner i went to west virginia this summer and i don't think i never saw like everywhere I looked, I saw a church. Mm-hmm. Right, there was never not a church in my eyesight. Yeah, I could turn any way, and there's a church. Yeah, yet each church had maybe one or two members, mm. and and to see that in an area where I could ask my next door neighbor, "Who's Jesus?" And they'd be like, "I have no idea. Wait, mm. who's this Jesus person?" Like, yeah, but there's a church at every corner. 
Yeah. Not even at every corner. Like there are churches yeah. that are next door neighbors, same denomination. Yeah. Like they're probably teaching the same thing next door neighbors. And one church has four people. The other one has two. And we're seeing this trend in America and it's sad. It's heartbreaking. Mm. And, and I think it's largely due to the fact that Christians, like we're not taking missions seriously. Absolutely. And so that's what we want to bring to light on yeah. today's podcast. What are missions? Yeah. We obviously are called to them, but what, like, biblically outlined, what does yeah. that look like? And then we're going to discuss a few more difficult questions there at the end of the podcast that you'll definitely want to stick around and listen to. Yeah, we'll get into the more controversial questions. Because those are, uh, they're controversial. Yeah. They're difficult questions. Yes, very hard to answer, so, especially from our perspective. Um, yeah, extremely. So I think uh, a good place to start would be to ask the question, what is missions? Um, what is a, what is a basic biblical definition for missions? Mm. And, and honestly, I think biblically uh, we see, like with many pastors, you know, like Acts 1-8 where, right. where Christ calls uh, his followers right before he ascends to heaven to start in Jerusalem, then spread to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Right. Uh, and then like we see the, the famous Matthew 28 passage, uh, the Great Commission where Christ says, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you to obey, and mm -hmm. I'll be with you always to the end of the age. That passage is pivotal in our understanding of what it is um, to do missions, what is missions, what is evangelism. Uh, and so we need to, I think we really need to di dissect that passage, okay. uh, dissect those passages and see, ask the question, what is missions? But I think backing up a little bit, before we really get into what Jesus said, I think we need to understand that the idea of missions itself is not a strictly New Testament concept. Right. Even in the Old Testament, we talked about last week, national Israel, and God had chosen national Israel for the purpose of being a blessing to the nations. They were going to be the avenue through whom the Messiah would come, but right. also God gave them the law, not only to show them their own depravity, but so that they could be a kingdom of priests and show the other nations what the true God is like. Right. And so we see all throughout, um, all throughout the biblical narrative that God is passionate. I think this most important point that we have to cover is that God is passionate about his glory mm. and he glorifies himself through exalting right. his crucified and risen son. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is even a great commission verse in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, turn to First Chronicles 16, 24, yeah. and it's a beautiful verse. And it, it's just a command saying, declare his glory among the nations, yeah. his marvelous deeds among all people. And, and that's repeated throughout the Psalms too, like that everywhere. same verse. And it's not saying declare his glory among Jerusalem or Israel or Judah, it's yeah. declare his his glory among the nations. Yeah. Even so, even so that the Babylonians can't reject his glory. Even mm. so that empires who were Syria, people who were against uh, Israel and Judah and, and the kingdom mm -hmm. could could witness his glory. Yeah. And that's the command that we have, not just in the New Testament. All, or not just in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. Yeah, it just carries over. We see that all throughout the biblical narrative, all throughout the story of redemption, the gospel is about God, and the mission is ultimately about the glory of God, about spreading his fame uh, across the nations, lifting up the banner of our salvation so that all may see, and, and our banner being the cross of Christ. Right. Um, and so, so diving into the passage, Matthew 28, mm -hmm. um, we see that Christ has just, um, he's risen, right. and this is... Uh, and some people believe that this is, um, he, he tells his disciples to meet him in Galilee. Uh, and then we see, and this might be, because uh, there's a few times he, he gives this kind of discourse. Uh, right. You know, like there's 40 days between his resurrection and ascension. So some people say this is right before his ascension. Some people say he repeats these instructions. Uh, but same idea. Christ is resurrected 
all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him uh, by his father. Uh, and now he's instructing and commissioning his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. Mm. Um, and then and then he gives some key elements to what that looks like. Yeah, and this this passage, hands down, one of the greatest passages for missions, I think, that, that we have in Scripture. Yeah. And, and so just taking a look at it, therefore, go and make disciples. We'll just stop there. And, and so a lot of people misinterpret this part, right? Mm. Uh, and they'll say, go, as in I need to get up, get on, on an airplane <laughs> and fly 2,000 miles to you know, J- Japan or yeah. Australia or Russia. And, and that's their definition of go. And so just to clear the air a little bit with that word, it actually means as you go. No, absolutely. Right? So as you are going, as you are living your life, make disciples of all nations. Yeah. So whether that be God calling you to make disciples because you're a barista, make disciples with your co-workers. Yeah, yeah, that's me. (laughs) But if that means as you go, as you go to Russia, if you're called to go. Yeah. To, to another country and do a short-term or long-term mission trip yeah. and make disciples. We should have that mindset that, that, that we would have when we go to Haiti or to Thailand. Like mm. you've done multiple trips to Thailand. I've yeah. done multiple to Haiti. And if I lived every day with the mindset that I had when I was in Haiti, yeah, my life would radically be different. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. I would be living every day for the pure purpose yeah. of bringing his glory to to be known by every single person I come into contact with. Exactly. And that's how we need to be living. Absolutely. And I very much believe that like when we go with the anticipation that the Lord he has people in the cities that he's going to save a people from every tribe, language, nation, tongue. We can go in in boldness and with confidence that he'll do the saving. See, cause that's the thing, the mentality that we have with missions. Um, I think a, this false dichotomy that we have is that we, we associate, uh, we don't really give God the credit or give him the power right. or the strength when it comes to missions. We like to place a lot of the emphasis on ourselves. And so because of that, we say, oh, we need to save this person. We need to lead them to Christ. Uh, and yes, it is true that we do lead people. Um, ultimately, though, it's God leading through us. He does the saving. We are simply the ambassadors who deliver the message. Right. Uh, so the emphasis is not like, and, and so that's the thing. I think the reason that there's so much pressure on missions is because, and the reason why people are so hostile to the idea of God leading them is because they believe that they have to do all this in their own strength. They believe it's their job to save people when really the spirit does that. We don't right. do any of the saving. We just allow him to carry us along and we be his mouthpiece uh, to the nations. And we, just as Second uh, Corinthians 5 says, we, we, um, we appeal to the watching world, be reconciled unto God. Right. Uh, and so I think, um, I think a, main, a main problem that we see today in culture uh, when it comes to our perspective missions is like you said, it's because we, we have this idea that it's all about us and going right. When, when you actually read the original Greek, that sense, the subject of the sense is not go, but it's the mm. word make, right? It's about making disciples. Right. That is the emphasis of what Christ is trying to convey to his disciples. They need to go make disciples. That's the mission. Um, and in the actual translation, it, it does say, as you go, right? That's, that's the, that's the picture that he's giving. Uh, and not to say that we're neglecting, you know, cross-cultural missions, right, not that, not say we're right. neglecting our national missions, and we'll get into that towards Definitely. the end, um, but we need to understand that the main purpose of missions is not on going so much as making disciples as you go. Right, and I think we, we see this trend throughout history, right? Indigenous missionaries are proven to be more effective in the culture that they're in. Mm-hmm. So it's just true. Look at India. Hmm. 
the way the Christian movement is spreading is not because of the white people from America going to India. They Hmm. actually can't even get in there right now. Yeah. But it's because of the indigenous missionaries who have been trained maybe by other people to, to then go back into their culture and then start working. And those people are, are more effective missionaries. It's just, it's proven. So in the same way, you and I in America are going to be more effective missionaries here where we're at, rather than if we get up and fly to Japan, where they speak a language we don't know, where, where they live in a culture that we're not familiar with. Yeah. You know, unless God has specifically called you to go there yeah. to learn the language, to to be to become part of the culture and to dive into and to learn all about it and dedicate your entire life to that specific mission, yeah. that's great. Absolutely. But we are placed here in a culture we do know. Where we we have a language that we understand. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be using that fact. We need to be utilizing those tools that we have been given to evangelize where we're at. Absolutely. And, and so yeah, I think indigenous here in America, we yeah. would be more effective. It's just like if a Japanese guy came to America and just started evangelizing, he wouldn't be able to communicate with us. He He'd wouldn't, he wouldn't know our yeah. culture. He would have to sit down and learn the language. He'd have yeah. to sit down or learn you know, the culture. speak in tongues. Yeah. Or just speak in tongues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, I think that conveys the point a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I really enjoyed what you said about we don't do the saving. Yeah. God does the saving because then we can't boast. Right? Absolutely, because it's not of us. Absolutely, uh, that, I mean, read Ephesians two, right? Yeah, we we are ambassadors for Christ. You know, like we, he's given us this ministry of reconciliation, but ultimately, it's his ministry that right. he's given us, and he has equipped us, and he will use us for that mission. I think, I think something else that we need to highlight on is that. You know, so we ask the question: Are we called to missions? And the answer is yes. Um, Charles Spurgeon, one of one of the great, like the the prince of preaching. Yeah fantastic phenomenal have a lot of his books he is phenomenal and one thing one of the quotes he says that has stuck with me since i heard it was he said that every christian is either a missionary or an imposter mm. uh, there is no such thing i believe there's no such thing as genuinely there's no, no such thing as genuinely knowing christ and not desiring to make him known right you can't know the compassion of christ and not feel that for unbelievers and not desire for them to know and have that same satisfaction that you have um so I, I, I agree with him wholeheartedly on that. Yeah. I very much believe there's no such thing as a Christian who is not a missionary. If, if that's true, then they're not truly Right, and believers. I would go so far to say that we're not just called to missions. We're almost, we are commanded. Yes, it's a command from, from Christ. Right, the Great Commission is like a military order. Yes. Right, if you read the original language again, if we dive into some of the Greek, we'll see that it is, it is a militaristic, like Jesus is using military language. Yeah. And he's giving us a command that we need to go and do. Yeah. Right. And, and when we look at it that way, it's not a choice. Yeah. I, I can't say I'm not called to missions because then like that's completely against what scripture is saying. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're not called to missions, that means that you're not, you're not called to Christ. Like, right. It's, it's like, it's like a, a guy in the military yeah. getting orders from his superior saying, you need to go accomplish this task. And he's saying, yeah, no. Well, then you're not going to be in the military. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the problem that we see is that when Christ calls us to follow him, like like when we, in America, in the Western civilization, we present the gospel as basically, you, you know what it is, a cry to the, to the needy and to the poor uh, to come and receive rest in Jesus. But we also need to understand that whenever Christ displays himself to people, whenever he presents himself, he always 
adds that there will be a cost to following him. Mm. He says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to raise his head. You might lose your home. You might lose your life. Let the dead bury their own dead. You might lose your family. You might lose everything for the sake of knowing Christ. So he always begs the question, am I worth it? Am I worth losing everything for? And so we need to understand that when people hear the gospel, it's not simply a call to come and receive life. It's a call to come and die to yourself. Right. Uh, and that includes being missional. It includes your life no longer being about you and your, your desires, um, but simply making Christ famous. Right. You know, like pursuing Jesus passionately and living to make him famous among the nations. Like that is, that is the calling for every Christian. And when you say yes to Jesus, when you trust in him, that is the life that you are adopting. Right. Yeah. And man it's so it's so true and i think we kind of piggyback off of that like christians who who don't have uh, i guess or or who say they're not called to missions i I don't think it's necessarily because they're not born again like i do genuinely i think there's just this misconception Mm -hmm. that has happened and and i think when we truly read scripture for for what it is and and we see the great commission given in acts 1 8 and matthew 28 Clarity's given, and so it's also and a that call. will convict, right? It's yeah. a it's a call to get into the word. Yeah, it's a call to to understand what Jesus is conveying and, and to allow that to convict your heart. Yeah, right. I mean, we read, uh, I don't know exactly where it's at, but the story of, of the man asking, like, asking Jesus, like, what do I need to do to follow you? And Jesus is like, drop everything and come with me. And the guy's like. Well, I just need to go bury my dad first. Yeah, Matthew 9, yeah. You know, and and Jesus is like, no. Like, you don't need to do that. What you need to do is follow me now. And yeah. it's going to require you giving up that. And it's not that the guy even wanted to genuinely go bury his dad. It's that he wanted the inheritance that, yeah. it, that it would come with, right? So it was out of a sel- selfish desire. Yeah. Uh, and so understanding that there is a cost when, when we are following Jesus is is key but understanding that Jesus gives us the strength to find joy through the costs yeah absolutely. is also huge absolutely because he's worth it because right. he is satisfaction and I think the reason why people are not eager for missions is because is because they're not taught that they don't un- their perception of Jesus is is skewed. They don't understand that he's not simply Savior and Lord. He's also the supreme treasure. Um, he is the prize of our faith. And until until someone treasures Christ, they're not going to want to share him. Right. Uh, I think that that's the main problem. You know, we in churches today we're not treasuring Christ. Yeah. We are treating him like he is just some principle to live by, and not a person to live for, a person to right. love and be loved by. Uh, so until our perception of Christ becomes biblical, our perceptions of missions will always be flawed. Right. Uh, and so, I, I mean, I think, but I love what you said about how, you know, like uh, indigenous people, yeah. what they're doing. I mean, like how God is doing things through people. Like, I mean, and that just brings into perspective that God does not need us. Right. Uh, we, he uses us for his glory. He's ordained who will be saved and he's ordained the means by which they'll be saved. And that's the preaching and advancement of the gospel through his children. He delights. He's a father who does not need his children's help, but he delights in using them because it glorifies him using we and broken things for his glory uh, but I mean like you see today like the one of the biggest revivals in history is happening right now in Iran in Iraq mm, yes I, I had a missionary friend who um, and, and he is I he, he is Iranian mm-hmm. and he came to America to share what God's been doing over there and he told me this awesome story how he brought white missionaries with him and they came up to him uh, this this random random Iranian man comes up and like clings his arm to him because like they, they go up to you and they uh, they wrap their arm around your arm to mm-hmm. walk with you and he says um, and this is so cool he said 
you're from America. Like he says, you're white. Mm-hmm. Are you from America? He says, yes. He says, um, do you have rebellious teenagers in your country? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes. And he's like, do they have sex and do drugs and, and drink alcohol? He's like, yeah, yeah, quite a few do. Um, yeah. and, then, and then he asked the question. Uh, he says, so that is rebellion in your country. He's like, yes. And so he said, um, so the Iranian man says, do you want to know what rebellious teachers do in our country? He says, what? He says, they become Christians. Uh, and apparently that's a big yeah. rebellious trend over there right yeah, now. Yeah, and it, it's not the norm. Like, even even today, like, we see America, the common thing is to, like, everyone wants to be re- rebellious, right? Yeah. Like, everyone wants to be a rebel. Yet, it's so, <laughs> like, you're being, you're conforming to wanting to be a rebel, and now it's turning into conformity. Yes. So now you're not being a rebel. Now you're being the same. And so even in America, it's different. It's rebellious to even follow Christ because it's so conforming to the culture would be, you know, sex, drugs, alcohol. Yeah. And even in our churches today, um, the, you know, the mainstream, like the, the idea, the ideology behind church, especially for young people, is that it's a place to go where you kind of unwind and you just, you put on your happy face right. and you go, you listen a little bit. It's more like a hobby. I'll confess a, a few sins and God will forgive me. Yeah, yeah. That's it's, like, it. it's like a social click. Right. And I, I remember when I, when the Lord saved me and I really started living for him, there were people in my church who didn't like what I was doing and they told me to tone it down. Yeah. Uh, because they said that this is not normal. And, and I remember um, a friend of mine, he said to me, what the Bible... What, what the world calls radical, the Bible calls reasonable. Yeah. Uh, and that encouraged me. Yeah. And I think we have to come to missions and everything and how we live our lives with that same mentality is that what the world perceives as being radical or zealous uh, is actually what the Bible calls reasonable and spiritual right. worship. That is being a living sacrifice. Right. And and so just to kind of keep moving on with this theme of missions. So so we, we've understood, we understand that we are not just called to missions, but we're commanded uh, to be missional. Yes. Right? And we're, we're, we're equipped and empowered by Christ to, to carry about that out. Yes. Right. And so now that we have that understanding, what does it take on our parts to do that? Right. Mm. So, I mean, and, and the first, one of the first things that come up comes uh, to me is Romans one sixteen. I mean, I got it tattooed on my, th- yeah. on my calf, you know, like, Wait, like you got a tattoo. I do. Yeah. Dude. Are you serious? Yeah, I do. That's so I simple. must not be a Christian. Anyways, <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's next week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> tattoos, question mark. No, no. But yeah. So like, this is a theme that I live by. Right. And yeah. so. And so if you're not familiar with the verse, Romans 1.16 basically says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for the power of Jesus Christ unto salvation. Yeah. And then it goes on first for the Jew and then, and then also to the Greek. But it is the power mm. of Christ for salvation, which we talked about. We, yeah. we, we don't save. Christ does. But we can't be ashamed. Right? And, and we yeah. see this all throughout, uh, especially younger Christians, but this is also something for, for, you know, older, wiser people, right? Like I have tons of examples where I have backed down from situations because I didn't want to talk about Christ Mm. and how sinful, how self-centered, how prideful of me to back down from sharing Christ when it was obvious that God put me in that situation so that I could. Yeah. There was a time uh, when I was I was in a law class in high school, and I loved my law class, and, and I learned a ton, and I was sitting in front of this girl, and we were just talking, and and the the like the urge, the weight came onto my heart, just say, do you know Jesus? Like, mm. just that weight came onto my heart, yeah. and it would not go away. Yeah. And there were times where I was close. I was going to be like, okay, now, turn around. Okay, do it now. Turn around. It got so 
the weight got so heavy, I actually got up and moved. Mm. And I missed a layup, as Andy Mineo would call <laughs> it. Like, God is placing you in the right spot at the right time to accomplish mm. his will. It is a layup. All yeah. you have to do is start it and let God do all of the work. Yeah. But in our sh- in our shame, in my shame, I got up and walked away. And mm-hmm. it's one of the times that I really do regret mm-hmm. not sharing the gospel. Because, I've had many of those Because too. I know yeah. that weight, God would have done some amazing things. Yeah. It, but now, like, let's not turn away when I have been unashamed. Right when I yeah. have brought up the gospel, when I, I turn around and there'll be times like, "Dude, you need Jesus. Let me tell you about him because he's changed my life." Yeah, there have been times now. They're some of my best friends that go to my church, right? And so seeing the product of what happens when you're unashamed, when when you are willing, able, equipped, yeah, and, and ready to to tell people about Christ, me being able to see that outcome and see what happens when God does work mm. through that. It's amazing. That's so and it's awesome. not something we should back down from yeah, in shame. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've had the same experience. You know, my, my greatest friends in the world right now are guys who I I personally, like the Lord saved them and I got a chance to lead them to Christ um, through constant conversation mm. and uh, through me inviting them, right. loving on them, building relationships with them, treating them like people and not like projects. Right. You know what I mean? And so that's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, I very much believe that. That when it comes to missions, like, and that's the thing, I think a lot of times we view missions as like this, um, as as this big grand scheme project, right? When really it's just developing relationships with people yeah. and loving them towards Christ. It's just loving people, man. Exactly. Like it's that, the, it's the greatest commandments. Like, yeah, God is love, and so some of them, one of the most effective ways to show people God is to show people love. Just serving them. Because a lot of people in America have not had love present in their life. Or they have a false idea. Or they have a false, like a false concept of it. Like a lot of people don't have parents in their life, unfortunately. Yeah. Or their dad has left or their mom has left. And and it's left them with this skewed perspective of love. Mm -hmm. And it's so... It's so hard to see, and it breaks my heart when there's this perfect picture of love so freely available to everyone. Yeah. Just sitting there, and I'm too stubborn to tell people about it, Mm. right? Um, And it breaks my heart uh, for my sin, right? Mm -hmm. And so understanding that we can bring this perfect, whole, complete, beautiful love to people who may have never experienced love in their life. Yeah. That should be our first priority. Absolutely. A, because we want people to experience the same thing we've experienced. The same life-giving Jesus that has been given to us. Yeah. But it also, because it glorifies the mess out of God. Absolutely. Like, God is glorified when we talk about him to other people. And I mean, if you really think about it, like, you and I, we enjoy this. I mean, we enjoy talking about Jesus together. Yeah. I mean, you can have that same enjoyment talking about Jesus with a non-believer. Yeah. And, and sometimes, I've had it's even, that. sometimes it's even more enjoyable. Yes, especially when they have no idea what you're talking about and they're learning it for the first time. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times, like, uh, and, and that's the thing. It's not like just a, like I've, I've shared the gospel and I've seen people become wide-eyed because they've never heard this before. Just like the, just like the Catholic guy. Yeah. Um, and I very much think that when it comes to our pursuit of people and loving on them towards Christ, that it's, it's progressive, it's organic, um, it's it's a process and it's not something that could be forced because uh, a lot of times you know like we, we we think it's like hey tell them the gospel one time then all of a sudden they get saved uh, yeah. like i heard the gospel probably like at least 10 times before mm. it actually like before the lord actually saved right. me um 
you know, I mean, like, it's not just a one-time thing. Yeah, you can plant seeds and you can water them. God will make it grow in his right. timing. But we still have to take the initiative to plant those seeds, to water yeah. them. Sometimes water it takes them. a certain amount of times to yeah. hear the gospel. To become, yeah. Like, I've heard the example of, like, there's a timeline and say everyone has is different on this scale. Or mm-hmm. not a timeline, just a scale. And, and so if, if someone in God's eyes, you know, becomes a Christian at, at, at five, right, and, and they're at a two and you share the gospel with them and that brings them up to a three... Well, that's one step closer to them knowing Christ, right? Absolutely. So we still need to do our part. Absolutely. Not that that's how salvation works, but it kind of helps us visualize yeah. that we shouldn't shy away from sharing the gospel yeah. just because they've heard it before. Yeah, and we also shouldn't be discouraged when they reject the gospel. Right. Because, honestly, most people will reject it when they first hear it. Right. I did. It's, um, it's not it's an offensive a message. It's offensive. It's right. the good news, but it's very offensive because it... It's, it's telling people to die to themselves. Yes. It's telling people to turn from what they love. It is saying your is life is sin. not about you anymore. Yeah. It's never, it was never meant to be about you. Um, it's all about the Lord and you have to submit to him. Right. Um, and so that's an offensive message. Uh, it is a good message. It's a, it's a message, message of freedom and life. Uh, but people who are dead in their sins don't perceive it that right. way. Uh, but you know, we, we can't be discouraged when people reject the gospel. The people that I mentioned, my best friends who love the Lord now and who are discipling people and are leaders at their churches. When I first shared the gospel with them, they were completely hostile to mm-hmm. it. And it's not that I was, um, it's not that I was, um, continually sharing with them like on a daily basis to, to a point where it got annoying. I just loved on them, uh, loved them towards Christ. And it was progressive. It took time uh, and they did reject it at first. And, and, and I'm not saying, and I'll say this, just because the Lord lays someone on your heart does not mean that they'll be that they will, that you will personally lead them to Christ. Right. That might not be your place. You might be the one who plants the seed, and then someone else will come along, water it, and, or and someone else will have the opportunity to lead them to Christ. And so it's really, we shouldn't be discouraged whenever someone does not come to know Christ when we're ministering to them, because honestly, that might not be the place and time. Right. Uh, that might not be what the Lord has for them in that moment. Um, now he he is using you, yes. Yeah. And, and he is doing a work in the midst of that. Uh, but we need to understand that. God will save uh, when it's his will and his perfect right. timing. And he's using us until we come to that point or during that point. We just have to be faithful and obedient with what right. we're given. Uh, yeah, and like a good example of that. So when I was in sixth grade, uh, middle school, I was, man, that was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> I actually had Worst the... Worst years of our lives. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had the privilege of attending a middle school the first year it opened, right? So the first year the school that must opened, be nice. yeah. it was sixth grade, was me. So I was the first graduating class or the first eighth grade class to leave yeah. the school. And so it was cool. And, you know, with a new school, they didn't have a Christian club. And so mm-hmm. I, I was led to... to they didn't have an FCA or anything? Not yet. No, I, yeah. yeah, God had laid it on my heart to, to initiate the FCA process. That's so cool. And, and so that school got an FCA because God had laid it on my heart to start an FCA. And yeah. so I, I got to partake in that. And I was in that ministry for three years. Mm. And it was discouraging sometimes because I didn't see much change I didn't see lives change the way I thought I would. I didn't see God move in the ways I expected him to move. But there was a time last year and I got a text from the person who's now running the club. It's still alive and active Mm. at the school. And I got a text saying that over 70 some people have come to know the Lord as a result of this club. That is so awesome. And so to understand that I went all those years without seeing the fruit of what God had used me for, but knowing that lives were still being changed in and through what I initially thought was a fruitless ministry, right? And I heard an amazing quote, it's God will only reveal to us the fruit 
that he wants to reveal to us. Exactly. Right? So we may never see some of the fruit of our labor. But ultimately the fruit's not for us. Right. It's not for us. It's yeah. for God. And that's why he might not give it to us. Right. Yeah. To either, so that we don't become prideful. Yeah. So, but he'll give it to us at the exact right time to encourage us to keep us going for just one more day. You know what I mean? And so yeah. God's timing is perfect in that. Yeah. And so, I don't know, it's just a cool story. It's uh, just like Isaiah. You know what I mean? Exactly Because Because like God calls Isaiah and he said, and, and Isaiah has been cleansed of his unrighteousness, cleansed of his sin. And the Lord says, who will I send? And in his, and, and we'll talk about this toward the end right. a little bit. Like we'll go back into this, but just a brief overview. Isaiah says, you know, um, Lord says, who shall I send? And he and Isaiah says, "Send me, I'll go." Um, then the Lord tells him straight up that most people aren't going to listen to you. Right. Uh, he says, "You know, you you will be mocked, ridiculed, you'll be ignored, um, marginalized by the people, yeah. by your own people." That happens to Jeremiah too. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the majority of people do not listen to the yeah. prophets um, because because they testify that their deeds are evil um, and that they're wrong. Right. Uh, and people and, don't want to hear that. Exactly. And so we have to understand that that we might not ever, like you said, I, yeah. I couldn't say it better myself. We may never see the fruit of our labor, but that's okay because it's not for it's us. It's not for us. And, and ultimately it's not about the proclamation of our name. It's about his name. Like Count Zinzendorf, he wants this beautiful quote. It's simple. He just says, preach the gospel, die forgotten. Mm. Um, because ultimately it's not about the only significance your name ever has is the fact that it's in the Lamb's book of life. Yeah. It's not about proclaiming your name. It's about proclaiming I his. I like that. I know. I really like it's that. It's beautiful. Beautiful. And so like, it's so beautiful. And so when I see when I see things like that, when I see myself doing ministry and, and I don't see these tangible um, numerical results, right. I'm encouraged to know that the Lord has promised his people and even his prophets that you may never see that, but that doesn't mean that he's not working right. and that he's not going to bring something good about through it. Um, but hey, moving on a little bit um, from domestic, uh, why don't we just take a couple minutes to talk about international missions Yeah, and then we'll go into the controversial yeah, and questions. So, so international missions I think is really cool because it's something that you'll become quite familiar with as we launch this new era of the podcast in, yeah. the, uh, in January when this launches. And so I'm super excited about yeah. that and just talking about the gospel in other nations and international missions is, is it, I'm conflicted, not conflicted, but I have, I have some opinions on it and, and they might not be popular. Uh, <laughs> so I read a book called when helping hurts and it's an amazing book. And I definitely suggest anyone who's listening to go purchase the book. It is, it is some of the most enlightening, uh, concepts to missions it changed mm. the way i did missions completely mm. it made me realize i was doing everything wrong mm. like and i was convinced i was right which is insane and so short-term missions are interesting because and we've both been on quite a few of those because they sometimes do more harm than good oh, that's the truth and yeah. and just to give a short quick example not to say if you have been on short-term missions that is bad Right? No, I mean, we both, we both we do that. We both do short-term And we missions. still do those. And, yeah. and I'm not going to stop, right? God has done amazing things in and through short-term missions. There's yeah. a spot and a place where God uses them to effectively minister to people uh, in those countries. And I think short-term missions are done best when, either, when going to support either an indigenous missionary or a missionary who's been planted there long-term, mm. right? And so uh, just a quick example. My church goes to Haiti every year. And we support a missionary who is full-time in Haiti, right? And we've helped them construct uh, a building where they can now manufacture bricks, right? And so we're not just mm -hmm. going to Haiti and doing a bunch of free stuff for them and then leaving. Because, A, when we just do all the work for them, it creates lazy people. Mm, absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, look at America, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
when when we go, it doesn't build relationships, right? Yeah. If we just go and do all the work, we're not building relationships with the people there. Yeah. But when we go with the mindset of, hey, let's invest together in a project. Mm-hmm. I'll put in 75%, you put in 25%. And let's build a factory where you can build bricks that will not only enhance your community, but that you can also take to the market and sell and now start start an economy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so now, instead of just going and doing a bunch of stuff for them and then leaving, we're, we're not only helping them yeah. in building relationships, but we're also helping them economically, right? We're helping break that cycle of poverty yes. that a lot of these nations are stuck in. Yes. And so we have to understand that a lot of times we might be doing more harm when yeah. we go. And so getting <laughs> our focus from how can I help people break the cycle of poverty, show Jesus to them, yeah. and... and advance or, or support the missionaries that are there long-term because yeah. those truthfully short-term missionaries aren't really missionaries to that culture, right? We're supporting the missionaries that yeah. are in that culture. And we culture. could do some help, but right. And yeah. so, so that's not really our spot. We're really going to minister to the full-time missionaries who are there doing the work and they'll see exactly. the life change, right? Exactly. And so we have to understand that. And there are so many examples that yeah. they give all throughout this book when helping hurts. I and, think it's so cool that you mentioned it like that, because that's like, that's like giving and, and to counter that when a lot of people, you know, they don't provide for the physical needs of individuals. Cause I think a lot of times, you know, like we focus on the spiritual needs, but like when we see Jesus ministering to people, he always, he always ministered to their physical and their spiritual needs because that's a part of his kingdom. It's, it's ministering to both needs. Um, and we can't neglect one for the other. Uh, I think it's so cool. You mentioned that that's like walking up to a poor person and saying, I don't have any money or food, but here's a Bible. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) And, and that would, cause anger right you know i mean that would cause yeah. yeah that really would and so i mean we do the same thing in thailand we, we go over there to teach them we go over there to teach them english and yeah we go over there to teach them english and teach them some mm-hmm. skills with mechanical engineering right. to try and help out the guys in the economy exactly. and, and we build them fish farm cages for their economy and teach them some fishing skills uh things like that all the while at the same time helping them and the church that they've planted right. uh progress grow uh, because i think the goal of mission should be um either you know like like you said either ministering to their physical and spiritual needs and also included in that if they're if it is a de-churched or unreached mm-hmm. people group, then planting churches there. Right, right. And, and, and the missionaries training up the local, um, local people to be pastors and to be missionaries. And that's what Paul to, did. Right, exactly. We, yeah. That is his, I mean, read Acts. Yeah, he just I mean, goes to a place, he witnesses a little bit, he starts a church, um, he, he trains up the pastors, then he leaves. And he goes. And, he'll, and he, he goes follows up with the, he follows up with Timothy later yeah. to, you know, make sure he's doing well. But, yeah, at Ephesus, yeah. You know, and so, and like we were saying earlier, NF, uh, a, a, a rapper I'm not gonna say Christian rapper he's a rapper uh, he has a line in one of his songs and it's like handouts create lazy people mm. and so look at how much money we've poured into Haiti and look at where it's at yeah w- America has poured millions and millions and millions of dollars to help rebuild Haiti mm-hmm. and we're treating it like it's a distru- like it's in desperate need of immediate help like crisis help when it's not it's in need of some rehabilitating development that mm. it's been neglected and that's why we're seeing this cycle of poverty and we see it in the United States yeah. you know and so and we're just blind to it i was before i read when helping hurts mm. and so I mean, I could go on. Read the misconception <laughs> is a sermon we have on Grace Dash Nation. I've read it. Um, yeah. th- it's it's on it's fantastic. that. Uh, yeah. So 
I could ramble on for hours on that. So, I mean, we'll move on. But Moving on. It's true. Yeah. You know, so I definitely suggest When Helping Hurts is a book. Another another book, um, Toxic Charity, is That's another a, yeah, really good you book. You shared that book with me. It's yeah, really Toxic great. Charity is actually... Oh, man. My yeah. God. I think another great book, you know, just talking about missions is, uh, you know, Radical. Radical. By David Platt. Oh, man. Beautiful. The best modern day epistle to yeah. the American church I've ever Amen. read. Uh, he, he He's a savage and he goes ham on he the is. American church. Okay. So, so let's move on to our, to some of the difficult questions we were talking about. So specifically uh, let's talk about like unreached people groups. Yeah. Cause that's so, usually what the focus of a lot of missions right. is. So, so in the context of unreached people groups, here's, hey, I'm, I'm going to pose you the question. Okay. In the con, so unreached people groups, people who have never heard the gospel, do they, when they pass away, Will they be considered innocent and go to heaven, mm. or will be, they be condemned as guilty and go to hell if mm. they never had the chance that to hear the gospel? Really, it's a tough question. Really good question. It, it's and a question that a lot of people struggle to answer. Yeah, it's a it's a question that a lot of people answer wrongly based on how they feel or yeah. based off of what we think is fair. Yeah, and so. And we are going to remove our emotions We're just gonna and strictly stay in the Bible because yeah. w- we cannot come to a conclusion that is outside of scripture. Absolutely. And so for us to remain biblical, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to stay faithful to the word yeah. and, and, and tell you guys our opinion. So the question is, do people who have never heard the gospel yeah. go to heaven? Yeah. Okay. That's a really good question. I've gotten that question a lot. And I asked that question when yeah. I first became a believer. It's a, it's a hard question to answer. Um, I want to start off by saying, and I do hope the reality of the, like the, the, the severity of the statistics would alarm us to the fact that, you know, how many people are unreached. I mean, we see today, um, the research arm of the Southern Baptist International Missions Board back in 2013 said that there was currently at that time 11,310 people groups of which 6,409 were unreached. And that's over half. That's over half. And but here's the crazy thing. And then 3,100 of them were unengaged, as in there was no evangel evangelical missional effort to reach them. Wow. Underway, you know, 3,100 people groups that are just completely unengaged. There's no yeah. there's no plans to go on reach there's them. No there's no efforts. There's no right. There's no efforts. There's no people being sent. There's no missionaries. And that that statistic, I hope it breaks your heart. It breaks my heart. It, it really breaks my heart. Me. That was actually so I did I did the uh, I did a math problem, right? And I, I calculated how many people die a day. Just sad. Yeah. And then I calculated the percentage of Christians that they're on on the earth. Mm. And I did the math to see how many yeah. non Christians died a day. And the number broke me. It mm. destroyed my heart, and that's actually what started a ministry that I did in in, in my old neighborhood, mm. a door to door ministry that we did. But, anyways, it is a heartbreaking statistic, Absolutely. nonetheless. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, like answering this question, and I want to break our hearts because we have to ask the hard question: Is Jesus the only way? Is he right. really? Because for us to, I'm just going to be straight up and honest and frank with here. If for us to claim that you could be saved apart from the gospel, and apart from Christ's blood, is to say that that his way was not enough right. and that he is not the only way, which is in direct, con- a direct contradiction. It's heresy. Everything. It is heresy to I say mean, that he is not the only way to the father. Uh, to say it bluntly is, might seem harsh to some, Yes. but, but to portray the severity yeah. of what we're discussing, we don't want to sugarcoat it. No, right? This is something that is serious and we need to be absolutely. striving to reach these people. Absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah, it's heresy to yeah. say that. And, and it's, it's unfortunate that we 
aren't taking as many steps as a body of yeah. believers to reach these people. I know, absolutely. And so, so we like, okay, so bringing some scripture into it, you know, like we read Romans 10, 14, and, and Paul right. asked the question, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Right. Uh, but everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm. And, and so we, ha- we have to come to this reality uh, that when it comes... When it comes specifically to, to missions and, and people who are unreached, uh, are they innocent? And to answer that question, I would say, no, there are, there are no innocent, not one. There is none that does good. Um, all, like sheep, have gone astray. All have turned their own way. Uh, so, so the question that we need to answer first and foremost is, are they, is anyone innocent? And to that, I would say, no, there are no innocent people. That Bad things do not happen to good people. That only happened one time, and he volunteered. Uh, so when it comes to unreached people groups, we have, to, we have to see, is the gospel the only way that they can receive salvation? And biblically, that is true. That is the only way. Uh, is this unjust or unfair on God's part? Uh, I think, honestly, I, I think it's unfair for God to even allow us to have an opportunity of salvation. For God to be completely 100% fair and consistent in fairness uh, would be for him to condemn we us We should all be hell. in hell. Yeah. A- absolutely, exactly. For him to be... Uh, and that's not to say he's unjust. He is just. He does right. punish sin. Uh, he punishes sin either toward the sinner or toward his son. Right. Uh, so he is unfair. And praise God, he's unfair. Whew. If he were fair, we would all be in hell right now. Right. Uh, and so for him to even provide us one way of salvation is extremely gracious. Uh, and so if... I want to pose an alternative question. If people could be saved without the gospel, then what would be the best thing that we could do for them? is exactly not tell them right and is to not send people right and it it provides a almost like a way out like yeah christian life requires suffering then and there's another way of being saved that doesn't require that suffering yeah the common sense answer would be to choose the other way yeah right and so that's not how scripture works right that's not how the gospel works. Mm. There, there is no other way. There's, the, there's only one way to the Father, right? And that's through Jesus. And and to claim that that there is another way, or that people are innocent, apart right? From or that people Christ's are blood. innocent, which we have talked about. Everyone is totally depraved. Yeah, and and we have to understand that. You know, some people say, well, if they had the gospel, they wouldn't reject it. You know, and, and to that I would say, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible says clearly in Romans chapter 1, it talks about God revealing himself through his natural revelation and people still living in re- rebellion to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I very much believe that if someone can perceive the divine qualities of God in nature, uh, so like let me give you a scenario. Let's say there's a man who is born on an island uh, with his family. Like He's stranded on an island. He's all by himself. He lives his entire life on this island. Will he be saved? And I would say this if he hears the gospel. And how would that have happened? I would say this. If he comes to a place where he can he can perceive natural revelation and, mm-hmm. and attribute it to a creator God, uh, then he can properly recognize because of that, because of his own conscious, his moral conscious, right. that there is something wrong here. There's something wrong with him and he needs to seek this God. And then God promises all throughout the Bible that to those who seek him with all their heart, he will make himself known. Right. He will get the gospel to that man somehow if he seeks him with all of his heart, whether that be via a dream or a missionary, right. he will get the gospel to him if he responds to natural revelation. Uh, but we see consistently that the majority of people who 
see natural revelation on a day-to-day basis, even if they do admire it, um, the temptation, the Bible says, is to worship it. They don't they don't use that to point back to the Creator. Right. And so because of that, uh, because of that, I would say, even if the gospel were to get there, that doesn't mean that they would be saved. Right. And so use this heartbreaking answer, right? Use this answer to motivate you and to stir your passions and your affections to sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. right? And to supporting those in other nations who who need the, the gospel. That's the whole point of the Reaching the Nations fundraiser. Yeah. To bring the gospel to people who have never heard it before. Yeah. And that's why I'm calling to you guys to rally behind this fundraiser Mm. because we can play a part in their not in their salvation but we can play a part in the the channel that god uses to bring people to salvation yes and and even if that's two thousand miles away from you just donating five dollars to let 10 kids go to bible Mm. camp that is still a means that god is going to use yeah and i i very much think that you know we need to understand that this is a blessing for us. It is not a burden. Uh, it requires suffering. It requires sacrifice. But ultimately, as far as God's glory and for the advancement of His gospel, um, right? And so, I mean, yeah, instead of sitting around debate, I mean, like I think it's pretty obvious, you know, based on what we said, that in reality, the problem is not that some people have not heard about God. Rather, the problem is that they have rejected what they've heard and what they've seen in nature. Uh, but instead of, um, instead of debating the fate of those who have never heard the gospel we as christians should be doing our best let's just go share to share the gospel with all people uh because that's our call that's our mission that's what christ has commanded us to do um we know that people reject the knowledge of god and that we know that even if we delivered the gospel to them odds are a lot of them would reject it right but ultimately we know we have the same mentality as paul that god has people in every tribe language nation tongue Mm. who will come to him and if we just continue to spread the gospel out to those out our part regions to those 3100 people groups that are unengaged that god will bring people to himself that there are people from every single one of those tribes languages people groups who will come to know jesus at Mm. some point yeah um and so, and that's a promise of God. Yeah, that's that a is. promise, and He will fulfill that with or without us. Right. But it is His glory and our joy to get to take part in that. Right. Um, and so I would say, <laughs> uh, so do we want to? Do you want to ask the other yeah, question? Yeah. So, so you talked about natural revelation. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that plays into our next question. So, if you guys, our answer to the first question: Do people who have never been exposed to the gospel go to heaven? The answer is no. Um, now the next question we, we want to talk about, and this is a little bit more difficult. Uh, yes. And, and so we want to talk specifically about infants mm-hmm. and people who may, who may not have the mental capacity to, mm. to, to understand the gospel and yeah. how does God work in, in those situations? Yeah. This is not an easy answer. But I think based on what's what little we have in scripture that deals with this, yeah, we can come to a biblical basis off of uh, what we have. And I think I, I really this really does show like God, like he is definitely glorified in and through mm. uh, this. And so if, if you kind of want to take it away. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, like that's a. That's another question that I asked after I got saved. You know, what is the fate of of infants and children and, and stillborn babies or, or aborted mm-hmm. babies who who die? Um, where do they go? Right. Uh, and so, <laughs> the question we have to answer first is: Are they innocent? Right. Now, and I would say this: I would say yes and no. Um, they are not without sin. 
And I think right. the Bible makes that very clear. In, David said, in sin did my mother conceive right. me. Uh, even though God knitted David together in his mother's womb, right. Psalms he still 52, was... 52, 53? Something like that. Yeah. Or, was it, or maybe it was 139. In, in sin did my mother conceive me. He's, he's repenting oh, wait, wait, no, wait, from no. Bathsheba. Oh, oh, yeah, that's 51. That's 51. 51. Okay. Yeah, 51. But Psalm 139 has the same Talks idea. About it too. Okay. Yeah, same idea. That God is creating... In the womb, the child, uh, but yet at the same time, that child is still infected with that sin disease uh, that our parents, Adam and Eve, yeah. took in. Uh, so, like, we're, we all are infected with that. Uh, and at the point of conception, like, you are a sinner. Yeah, like, and I, I heard the best example. So, like, someone asked, well, if we're all born sinners, Jesus was born. He had, if he, if, how was he born innocent or not totally depraved if he was born? Uh-huh. And, and we have to look at, so if a dog has a kid, What's or if a dog has a baby, not a kid. If a dog has a baby, the baby's parents are dogs, obviously. And if a giraffe has a baby giraffe, the parents are giraffes, right? And yes. so it's going to be a product of whatever its, its parents, parents were. were. Yeah. So Mary was a virgin. Who was the father in that? It was planted by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Not by another human. Yeah. And so he was he was not conceived in sin. Yeah. Right? But he was born of a virgin, pure yes. and clean. And so that's why he was able to live that life. So if that question pops into your mind, that's a short answer. Yeah, that's yeah, just answer. a short little quick thing. <laughs> but yeah, and so I, I like what you were saying too about that. So yeah, keep going. Yeah, so like um but then we see in uh I think it's in Jeremiah that that we that he refers to the slaughter of a bunch of, of Hebrew babies as the, the slaughter of the innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh and so we see that even God, through his prophet, calls these children innocent. And I think even David says that he'll see his firstborn again. Yes, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, um, a product of his adultery with Bathsheba, he has a son, then that son dies, and then he, he mourns, he fasts, but then like when his son dies, he comes, he stops mourning and fasting, and he tells his servants uh, that the reason he stopped is because he knows that his son has died. There's no way to change that, but he says, I will go to him. Even if he won't come to me, I will go to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do see that there is this anticipation that David has of seeing right. his dead son. Uh, and he had a he had a concept of the afterlife similar to ours right. in the Judeo, Judeo faith. Um, and so, because he knew that he was going to see God one day. Right. That was his hope. Uh, and so then we get to the New Testament and we see, going back to Romans 1, it's, it, is so, it talks about the guilty, the unrighteous, and it attributes their guilt to their knowledge of God's existence based on his natural revelation. Right. And so because they can see, perceive, contemplate, and know the existence of God, because they, it says because they knew God and yet reject him, that's why that they're condemned. Right. Uh, and so for a child, I'm not going to say make a general statement for all children, but for children... It's probably at a different... It's, it's going to yeah. happen at different times for everyone. Yes, probably. yes. Right. You know, like, and I, I can personally testify that I, I wasn't, you know, like five years old. And some are, but I wasn't five years old and contemplating the meaning of the universe through... Right. Through, I, I, I remember I was at like six or seven. Like, I did I did understand certain things, but like about like four or five preschool, preschool right. age, I wasn't like, you know, looking at a tree and asking the question, you know, like, well... Who put that there? Like, is that God's fingerprint? Yeah, is that, is that, like, I I didn't look at a tree and ponder the mysteries of the universe because of that. Um, But there are some kids that do. And I did at a young age, too. I think it was, like, yeah, like, when I was, like, six or seven. Uh, So I would say that the reason that God considers children innocent is because they're not able to discern 
his natural revelation and build a conclusion upon that. They cannot properly place their faith in Jesus because their minds are not able to do that in that stage of development. Um, And that's and that's just to say, you know, like they're growing in wisdom and knowledge, but because they have no nature of God, because they can't discern the meaning of this natural revelation and discern God's existence and their their need for salvation, forgiveness of sin, because they don't properly understand that, I would say the Lord considers them innocent. And then we, we, John MacArthur, he makes a great point. He talks about how when Jesus was on the earth during his earthly ministry, he didn't he didn't do this with unbelievers, but with children, he he gathered them together and he blessed them in his mm. arms. He blessed them. Uh, and this is a kingdom kind of blessing. Right. Uh, and he says, you know, uh, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Uh, and yes, he's talking about the children's, you know, their faith, uh, their humbleness. Uh, but regardless, we can't ignore this picture that Christ gives in his love for children and the right. father's love for, for children. Uh, and so I would say, I, I would take a view consistent with, you know, John Piper's view that children who die uh, and, and who never had the opportunity to believe in Christ in that they never reached a point where they could properly understand the gospel uh, and receive it and believe it, I would say that the blood of Christ covers them, that they are included in the elect. Okay. Um, would, would you agree? I completely agree. Yes. 100%. Yeah. yeah, and God knew that they were going right. to die. He knew. Right. And, and also, we, we do see, like, you know, then they ask the question, you know, well, what about them being saved for the gospel? Then we see in, in Luke, in Luke chapter chapter 1, 2, John yeah. the Baptist yeah. leaping in Mary's womb because he, he sensed the presence of his Messiah near him. So we do see that even children can praise the Lord right. and that God could give that, can give that knowledge to a child, right. even in the womb. He even could give that. To, yeah. Right. But I, I would say this, though, like when it comes to children, um, when it comes to our perception of how, what happens to children when they die, uh, that does not take away our responsibility though to to raise them in a in a in a christ-like home yeah yeah and i, I mean we read and to saturate the home with the gospel yeah that's even commanded i believe in deuteronomy yeah deuteronomy chapter six yeah. so we read these things and it's our responsibility to, yeah to, 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 to be especially as guys to be the leader of our household yeah and to and be structured in the way of the lord right so like like we are the head of the house just just as like Christ is the head of the church, right? And so yeah. like we are we're called to that to to raise like a Christian house and I know you're stu- like you want you're going to be a pastor and you are a pastor and I, and I'm planning on oh, yeah, I am, that yeah. field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like we're told like when we have a family like we we need to be of good repute in the home and we need to Absolutely. run a Christian home before we think we can run a pulpit. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, oh, and also, you know, a point I forgot to mention, you know, so a lot of people always ask me like what's the age of accountability? Yeah. Like, you know, Mormons say it's age 8. Yeah. Uh, but like biblically speaking, I would say I do believe in the doctrine of the age of accountability. I just think it's different for every child. Yeah. It's different for every child yeah. in, in the development of their mind. It's individual. It's personal. Um, and it can't be discerned. Right. You know, I mean, and like, it's not for us to discern. We just yeah, need exactly. to do our part in bringing Christ's love to them. Absolutely. And allow Christ to do his work. Absolutely. Which, which he will. Absolutely. Right. So, so I think like going back to the main point and maybe you know, as we're concluding this, yes. talking about what is our motivation as believers for evangelism? Right. And I think, and also take in mind, we're holding a Calvinist view, right? And yes. So, and people are surprised by that. Yeah. Like we talked about that earlier on our Reformation, Reform Theology podcast. Yeah. People are surprised that the majority of evangelists throughout history, uh, especially in the West, were all Calvinistic Calvinist, in, in yeah. their theology. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, just from my experiences and, and sharing the gospel and seeing life change and seeing God do some amazing things in and through uh, just some ministry that was done and just allowing me to be the vessel, you know, to carry it out. Like it was not 
only life-changing for me to witness God do some work, mm. but just to think that it was literally life-changing <laughs> for the person God saved. Yeah. Right. And being able to be a part of that yeah. is amazing. And to say like, if you haven't had the chance to share the gospel with someone, that's not a bad thing, but pray for opportunities and pray that God would open your eyes to those opportunities yeah. so that you can play an active role in being used by God for the advancement of his kingdom. Mm. Uh, and I mean, I pray that prayer every day, Yeah, you know, allow these ap- divine appointments t- to happen. Like yeah. change my schedule to where I come across this guy, yeah. you know, like mess up my plans yeah. so that I can come across, you know, him or her. And so, and that's, that's also a huge thing too. Like I, there have been times <laughs> where I'm in the airport going to Haiti and God does something and I'm like, this is not supposed to happen. Like yeah, you pulled me, me away from yeah. my group. Like I'm not comfortable here, but I can yeah. talk to you, 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 and you. That's and happened God to me too. God doors, right? Absolutely. And so, you know, just, just pray for them and it, pray for that missional heart. Yeah. Pray that God would open your eyes and, and, and yeah. also be willing to be used by him and live an unashamed life because you're going to yeah. pray that prayer and he's going to answer it in, in some and interesting ways. Yeah. <laughs> and, you have to be unashamed, right? I yeah. can't, if I'm praying, I can't pray for something and then get it and then be like, eh, nah, uh-huh. you know, like, <laughs> like utilize the gift that God is giving you and yeah. he's gifting yeah. you the opportunity to be placed in these uh, situations to be used as Divine a vessel. Yeah. And so don't and he'll give you the words. away from He'll give you the words. He'll yes. give you the heart to love, the words to speak. Amen. He'll give you the wisdom. Yeah, he will. My motivation. He's faithful. Yeah, like when it comes to the gospel, I think I think the main motivation behind sharing the gospel is the gospel itself. Yeah. I think like really, if we really believe that with all of our hearts, like we don't just believe with our heads, but if we believe that with our hearts, that there is this just and gracious creator of the universe who looked on hopelessly sinful humanity and sent his son, God in the flesh, to bear his substitution, uh, to, to bear his wrath mm. through his substitutionary death on the cross and to display his power through the resurrection of the dead and that anybody who turns from their sins and themselves and trust in Christ alone as Savior and Lord and supreme treasure will be reconciled to God forever. When we really believe that Christ came and he died for sinners uh, to redeem for himself a people, a bride uh, for himself, right. to purify a people, when we really believe that, when we really meditate on that, when we really preach that to ourselves every single day when we realize the cesspool of depravity that Christ dived into to reach down and pull us out right. of when we really meditate on that I really do believe the desire and the burden to share that with other people is going to become natural yeah. and progressive Absolutely. and we're going to see it growing and I'd say the last motivation for me is just knowing that based on what, what Christ says that he is going to redeem a people from every tribe, language, nation, tongue, knowing that that his return, though we don't know the day or the hour, he will not return until until he's accomplished right. his his great yeah. commission through yeah. his followers. Until Absolutely. he has people from every tribe, language, nation, tongue, until that day comes, until the fullness of Gentiles, the hurting of Israel is taken away. We can go into that later. But the yeah. point is the main motivation I think behind our evangelism should be, you know, just like you said, that God would use us in his the advancement of his kingdom, that, that we believe the gospel, that we know that he has done this for us, that he has done this for sinners, that his bride is out there somewhere. Right. His people are out there. We don't know who they are, but that just frees us up to tell everybody right. that we don't do the saving. We just allow him to carry us um, and that we get Jesus in the yeah. end and we get to share him with other people. We get to lay down our lives to share our inheritance, to share Christ himself with other people. Mm-hmm. And there is no greater life. That is the abundant life that Christ died yeah. to give us. Absolutely. And so just just be praying for that and be praying over these things. And I hope today's podcast was edifying. I really do. Like, this me. is one yeah. of my personal, just like really 
just like it hits me hard and I love this area and uh, mo- missions really motivates me. So yeah, I love today and it was great. Thank you, Billy, for, for joining me. Absolutely. Uh, it was great. In the, in the next few weeks, we have some cool podcasts coming out. So uh, this weekend I'll be recording with a few of the guys that I grew up with. And so that's going to be yeah. a really fun yeah, you're opportunity. Leaving me out. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm really mad. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I forgive get, you. I get that opportunity. Because Jesus forgives you. I mean, they're, they're three great guys. Uh, not as good as you, Billy. Oh, that's so yes, sweet. They are. Um, oh man, that, that really hurt. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm super excited to be able to record an episode with them, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna have an, a, a great guest on the show, and and I'll, I'm gonna keep the who the guest is a surprise, but the topic is gonna be on the American Church, and I can't wait because coming from this missions podcast to then moving to the American Church and what needs to change in the American Church so that we can be missionally focused, I think is gonna be a great thing, and then we're gonna start a brand new series to finish out the year. Which I'm super it's excited awesome. about. Yeah. So, guys, stay tuned. There's a lot of really cool stuff coming up and um, bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. If you guys uh, still haven't checked out what our uh, Reaching the Nations fundraiser is, please go do that. I hope uh, I hope just the mission behind it and and, and what it's intended for and just everything uh, would really just just kind of weigh on you and, and just mm. allow God God to even work in your own soul as as you're just thinking about missions and thinking about things and how you can do your part in the kingdom mm. and, and, and just play that role that God has given you. So again, guys, follow us on Twitter at Grace Nation Men. You can email me any questions you have about the ministry or the podcast or any theological questions, whatever you have, email me Grace uh, Nation Ministries at yahoo.com. Follow us uh, on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and uh, we will see you next time. Until next time, take care and, and God, God bless. bless. And that's the show. Thanks for listening. The BGN podcast comes out every week. Questions? Email us at gracenationministries at yahoo.com or tweet us at gracenationmin. Until next time, take care and God bless.